often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 523. I'm your host, Josh Albrecht. Recording live. Recording live? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Pre-recording in the uh, Slapbox penthouse once again. Solo. With, except for, if you count, Agent Mulder, who's in the other room right now. Kitty Cat. He's... He's there, not biting me at the moment, so we're meowing. Give him a minute, though. Once he realizes I'm in here just talking into a microphone, he'll probably come venture in. But, uh, yeah, if you missed last week's episode, oh, it was good times. Shelly and Nabina stopped by. And it was one of the longest all-time Slapbox episodes. I mean, it's up there in the top 10, at least. We've done, this makes 523 of them now. The times we've gone over two hours in a show is, uh, I have no idea how many times that is, <laughs> but I feel like it's not many. Not many. It gives me vibes of, uh, don't quote me on the episode. It was one of the early ones. I think it was episode three or four, something like that. Well, it became a two-parter, our first two-parter, which we've had two two-parter, well, sort of two-parters. <laughs> there was uh, the Danny episode when he first came on, and uh, that, we talked to Danny for like four hours or something, and we split it up into two episodes. It was It was at least three-something hours. I don't recall how long that was, but... Uh, I'm going to have to check that out now. The The first Danny podcast, I mean, it was it was a long one. And then uh, the other one that really comes to my mind is uh, a few years after that, the in the Slapbox Bunker days, Jackman and Tony had a party at the old bunker, uh, which actually wasn't, you know, it was above the bunker. <laughs> And uh, it was something, there was, shit, I mean, it was, we decided to end up, we ended up doing um, two episodes that night. We uh, did one, I'm trying to remember how exactly it played out, but we were having so much, I mean, there's a lot of drinking involved, a lot of partying. It was a, it was a little crazy trying to get sound working and everything. Um but uh, <laughs> it was a little crazy. We decided, I think, after the fact of doing the first episode that night at the party to go ahead and just do another one. <laughs> it did it, like, later. I could be wrong on that. It might... Uh, it's so long ago, it's hard to really remember. Um, shit, I think... I think it's possible that that might have been episode three that Danny first came on. I'm trying to look here. No. Apparently, this is back in the day, and I didn't put as much into the notes back then. Um. But, 
to do. Man, there's wow, I'm looking at this back when we used to <laughs> have like guests and shit. And it's uh it's like shit shit's man, I don't remember a lot of this. Um good lord. <laughs> looking at the show notes. And Frank trapped in a closet. Anyway, if you, back to just talking about last week, man. Uh when uh Nabina and uh Shelley were on and it it was very much old school feel of the early days of the show mainly just because there was more than you know myself talking into a microphone um but uh it was uh <laughs> dear lord yeah i'm still just looking at these these names um but i felt like last week we could have just continued on for our like eventually just you know at the end of the episode i'm talking about that yeah we need to get off and uh it was uh <clears throat> ooh yeah eventually just had to say yes we're done multiple times before ending it and that just doesn't happen now now i'm like ah oh, fuck uh, what else am i going to talk about it's a thing but uh that was the only the second time shelly's been out here in live in person to the uh, penthouse for a show so i mean that was and uh, I, we found out through the Heaven Gate, Heaven's Gate website. No more. Holy fuck. That's still still troubling. Um, fun fact, the first Danny episode, which I didn't put his full name, just put Danny. <laughs> but uh, I, later on, I would put his full name in there. But if you look at episode eight and nine, that was our two-parter with Danny. And... Uh, there's okay yeah it was probably i guess three hours in total length there and uh i thought i had my phone on silent and i did not i did not as uh yeah it was i guess three hours for that one but that i know i want to say episode 100 was around the party it was somewhere no maybe not maybe it was it was around the time that uh, <laughs> uh, some of these fucking show notes pretty ridiculous. Um, oh man, I don't even. Uh, <laughs> Nuclear winter is coming. That was April thirtieth of twenty seventeen. <laughs> Trebejo checks in from DGRR. That's oh okay, I remember the the rotary thing car thing i vaguely remember that vaguely remember that sausage party every weekend (laughs) yeah that sounds about right that sounds about right there's a episode 100 fun fact is back in 2014 and around that time was near when fiener came on he was around 100 not on 100 but uh the show notes for the episode 100 was jawbreaker stuck in the mouth not sure what happened there, <laughs> what the, what that note was about. Helping mom find dudes, uh, running stories suck, and scissor taint. <laughs> Not real. <laughs> I'd really have to go back to understand what any of that means. You know, the next day when I go back and listen to the, I have to listen to parts of it just to remember what the fuck I talked about the night before. Just so I can kind of 
put some notes on there to give you kind of an idea of what the fuck we were talking about. Sometimes, you know, it's the same shit I've talked about many a time, so then it becomes, uh, you know, and I don't want the notes to be redundant. <laughs> uh, so it gets a little little uh, tricky. As uh, Also, I'm not going to go back and listen to an hour of myself talking, so I just kind of fast forward through there, try to get a feel for what the fuck I was talking about. You know, a little behind-the-scenes action here, telling you how the sausage is made. Just like uh, Kramer in uh, Seinfeld. He's making the sausage. Got the casings. Putting that meat in there. You know what I'm talking about. The casings. You know, there's just something about when you bite into a bratwurst. And you get that snap. And then the juices just shoot right into the back of your throat. Kind of burn a little. Mm. Anyway. I <sighs> oh, love a good brat. Love a good brat. Uh, we did touch on last week a little bit on uh, the the now unfortunately late, uh, but great, late great Jeff Burton, which is still hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that that he is uh, no longer there among us. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah. Anyway, if you. Uh, we're a fan of Jeff Burton's there on from 1057 the point and you know uh back in the day the Tom and Jeff podcast that was on in a brief period of time where he was uh <clears throat> not with the point and of course he was with Tom West during uh the um his days at the point as well um who's unfortunately Tom is no longer <clears throat> Amongst the living as well. And uh, what I was going to say, though, is if you just haven't really listened to the point at all since all that happened and everything. They did just announce the other day. Oh, damn it. Uh, trying to uh, pull up this stuff without <laughs> making extra noise from my phone, and that did not work out. Did not work at all. Um, here we go. I'm trying to find a thing here. Um... The point is trying to raise money for the Burton family to help support them, as I would imagine. There's probably a ton of medical bills from his uh, battle with cancer and going into hospice and all that shit. I can't imagine that's cheap. And then, of course, losing the income. I don't know what his uh, wife, Julie, what her job was or anything. And, what you know, I would imagine... <clears throat> It hurts not having uh, Burton's uh, income in there, and uh, but uh, they are raising money, of course, for his uh, family. They're shooting for seventy thousand dollars. I th- I I feel like that's that shouldn't be a problem for them to get. But uh, you can go on uh, if you got the Point app. You can go on there, or you can go to the one hundred five seven the point dot com. Um. And on there, they've got uh, a link that you can go to to uh, give you the information on uh, how to help out. They they one of the ways in which I myself and Shelly uh, are going to do is you can purchase a shirt and you can do that via their website. There's one that uh, 
just says strictly in text, Jeff Burton forever on a black shirt with the white text. <clears throat> and uh, I think on the back it's got the Rizzuto show on that one. And uh, <clears throat> the uh, other one has got, if you're... Uh, Look at the website, of course, and see uh, the <coughs> cartoon caricature of Mr. Burton. They've got that on the shirt, as well as uh, the legend written underneath it. Is uh, <laughs> that's the one I I'm getting? I plan on getting. I believe that's the same one that Shelley was going to purchase there. So. Uh, but that's uh, $30 for uh, one, uh, pick your choice between those two shirts. And then the proceeds go towards helping the Burton family. And then uh, you can also, <clears throat> I believe they have it set up to where you can donate via Venmo. Um, I myself have not used Venmo, so I'm <laughs> not like exactly the greatest person to talk to about <laughs> Venmo. And I didn't look look this up beforehand on how to properly do that on Venmo. Um, but I know you can donate via Venmo. And then, of course, shit, i got to pull up the link to this. Um, of course, that is, oh, oh I, sh- I should point out, too, it's the, uh, it's what it says strictly on their, their website about it. It's the Riz Show are going to touch every seat at Enterprise Center to support Jess family. Uh if you, of course you are avid listener of the Ridge Show, you'd know that uh, they do the real or fake challenge where listeners send in pictures of their uh, mammary glands, their boobs. <laughs> the uh, And uh, everybody on the Ridge Show decides real or fake, and actually listeners also get a chance to vote on whether it's real or fake. On the website. And uh, Mr. Jeff Burton has had a history of doing terrible <laughs> on, uh, on uh, the Real or Fake Challenge. And there's always a punishment for whoever loses the Real or Fake Challenge that they have to uh, complete, which uh, the probably one of the more famous ones is... Uh, at one point in time, Jeff had to eat a hissing cockroach, and this thing was fucking massive. You can find it on YouTube. And uh, he covered it in chocolate syrup, and the thing's fucking hissing. And he bit, you know, a, like, bit the damn thing in half, and it was still <laughs> still walking afterwards. That's where he, like, spit it into the fucking trash can and everything, or threw it in the trash can. I don't recall. Um... <laughs> But they did that. He got shot with a paintball gun at close range. And uh, the intern <laughs> shot him in the head. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, th- I guess the last time that Burton lost the um, real or fake, the punishment, of course, was to touch every seat in the Enterprise Center, which, you know, nowadays, that's risky. That's real fucking risky. Seeing as though 
there's a lot of germs involved. You know, nowadays with the whole Rona and you got monkeypox. I mean, there's a lot of shit floating around in there. You're going to go touch a bunch of seats where a bunch of people's asses were sitting. It could get dangerous. And uh, by the point, um, (laughs) by the, by the particular point um, in time that they uh, had done this and uh, Jeff had to complete that challenge, um, it was, his cancer had come back at that point. And uh, Riz and the other fellows decided that was, uh, <coughs> I guess, a little unsafe for Jeff to walk around and touch. It was like f- however many thousand seats, 18,000 seats, Jesus. A lot of fucking seats to be touching. Um, there just wasn't a good idea for for Jeff to be doing that, and apparently Jeff really wanted to do it. You know, he's you know he he lost it. He was he's gonna fucking do it. Like, uh, and apparently he was very upset too by the uh, cockroach thing. Is that he ended up puking afterwards? That he he wanted to, you know, do it for the fans and just for the honor. You know, he was taking the he took the shit seriously. Um, but because of the fact that Jeff was a, un, unable to do it, of course, they're doing this to help raise money for Burton's family. And, uh, they, uh, <laughs> so I guess Rizzuto, King Scott, um, Patrico, Tony Patrico, that is, and Moon are going to, uh, touch those seats. All 18 fucking thousand of them. And uh, hopefully they don't all get the Rona, man. It's going around bad right now. I don't know if they're going <laughs> to be masked up for that or, uh, I don't know, be allowed to <laughs> bring hand sanitizer at least with them. Maybe afterward, you know, be really careful with uh, touching your face afterwards. There could be some dangerous shit going around in those seats. So there's some sweaty asses. Apparently a Pearl Jam concert's going on like right before this where they're going to do it, so those seats are going to be nice and used. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine how long it would take to go. I've been in the Enterprise Center a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of seats. I mean, 18,000 is a lot of seats, man. That's going to be a workout in itself, just walking around that whole fucking place and touching every seat. And... uh <laughs> I know they were joking on the air about sniffing him, which uh, <laughs> uh, my thought is like, are they going to have to, you know, should there be genitals involved in touching it? There's like, I mean, there's, what are you touching it with? You know, your hand, your mouth, your nose, your foot. I'd imagine it's got to be a hand, but uh, anyway, Again, if you want to donate to the Burton family, or a family, there's the Venmo. If you go to Venmo, I guess Venmo at We Love You Jeff. Um, so you go there again. I I've not used Venmo, so I I'm not sure exactly how to Venmo people. I probably sound like a really fucking old dude saying that. Um, but I haven't had to you know send anybody cash in a long time, so. Uh, and they also have 
the ability to, you can visit any of the 13 Area Together Credit Union locations in person and ask to make a donation to the We Love You Jeff Fund. So there's that as well. And there's, uh, I guess, one in Arnold, Missouri. Um, Sappington, Missouri. Creve-Core, Fenton, Florissant, O'Fallon, of course, St. Louis, several uh, St. Louis locations. Um, most of them are all considered St. Louis. Oh, yeah, there's a book. Shiloh, Illinois. Baldwinsville, New York. Oh, wow. They, uh, <laughs> that, that That is weird. Most of these are in Missouri. Oh, I guess. Yeah, that's not considered part of the 13. Okay. <laughs> oh, they're already... Uh, here we go. Here's the branch locations. Uh, there's there's several locations, but uh, that is um there's several options there though. Together credit union. I guess Fenton would probably be the easiest for me if I were to donate in person, but I plan on buying the shirt. And unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of uh, extra dollars floating around. So after the shirt, I don't know that I'll be able to uh, donate more. We'll see what happens, though. See what uh, what's left after my bills. Um, but they are, I should mention, they're trying to hit that goal by Wednesday, September 14th. As it says here, the guys have officially declared an eagle call and challenged their listeners to help raise a very ambitious goal of seventy grand to support Jeff Burton's family. If that goal of $70,000 can be raised by Wednesday, September 14th, then all four members of the Rizzuto Show will fulfill the touch-every-seat punishment, which I guess they have to hit that goal for them to do so. That is, of course, at the Enterprise Center on Thursday, September 15th, with all four guys touching all 18,000 seats inside the arena. Will it suck? Yes. Will it be boring? Yes. <laughs> Will it be great for a great cause? Absolutely. Uh, I, I wonder how long that was just going to take. I mean, that's... Even if you, like, ran <laughs> around the damn thing and touched every seat. And, like, is there, a, is there a time limit for, like, touching? Like, you got to, like, touch it for a certain amount of seconds? Is there one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi? Like, what are you doing here? What do you? How do you... I'm not sure what all the, uh, there's not like a disclaimer on here to give me a kind of a assessment on how long that would be. Uh, fucking Jeff Burton, man. Fucking, fucking legend. Uh, I mean, uh, it was, we, we, we didn't talk about him a whole lot last episode cause I think it was just still kind of raw, you know, still kind of raw. We did touch on it a little bit as uh, <clears throat> Shelly was a huge fan of his and uh, they both uh, suffered from Crohn's and so uh, he had chatted with him I guess several times <clears throat> on and off through the years about Crohn's and uh, <clears throat> and I guess uh, hung on with him uh, several times because uh, Shelly had worked at Hot Shots for a while. And uh, cooked him some hot shots pizzas. That uh, <clears throat> man, all the fucking good ones, all the good ones got to check out early. Bastards. <laughs> not not Jeff Burton being the bastard, but the bastards of the of 
choosing who lives and dies. Although, you know, I don't really believe that, that sort of thing. But there's just the general theme of just being ba- people being bastards or something. You know, the <laughs> life in general being a bastard. <clears throat> uh, man, I wish... I really wish I had more um, of the old Tom and Jeff show to be able to go back and hear that because that holy shit not just the podcast but whenever they were on the point I mean those guys those guys were just so good together they had their beats with like comedic timing and everything were so fucking good <clears throat> um, they were I mean Jesus and the <laughs> oh there's I wonder if they've got looking on the points website right now. Oh, they got pictures of Jeff Trish and Tom. Oh man, it's from so long ago. Uh <clears throat> which that was uh before it was just Tom and Jeff. It was Jeff Trish and Tom and actually Tom uh Tom was uh there was a guy named Tim before Tom. Tim before Tom. I don't remember a whole lot about the uh, Jeff Trish and Tom. I vaguely, or I mean, it was a long time ago. I was awfully young at the time as well. As uh, Burton has a little over ten years on me. There's a uh, fourteen to be exact. <clears throat> but uh, so I was like in junior high, high school, around that time. Whenever uh, he was first getting on the the air there at the point, and uh, I listened to it. But you know. It wasn't uh, like I did in the early days of going to the broadcast center. I mean, I was listening every fucking day like that. At that point in time, listening to a lot of radio. <clears throat> but, uh, shit, I wish there was... Because uh, this was like when Tom and Jeff were last on the point on a show, they didn't do... Podcasts of their show. I don't believe. I'm pretty sure they did not. Um, as uh, like Woody and Rizzuto, when that became a thing, when uh, Woody had come back from the point after being fired and did the Woody and Rizzuto show, war, as it were, <clears throat> I think pretty much right out of the gate they were doing a podcast. And at that point in time, podcasts were, were fucking new. But they would take, I mean, they weren't, they weren't strictly recording a podcast. They recorded their radio show that they did on the point, of course, and then put it out as a podcast, which you can listen to all the uh, Riz shows like that. So you can hear Jeff Burton on the Riz show in podcast form. And also, they've got a lot of the uh, studio cams, so you can see YouTube of that. So, I mean, there's a lot of Jeff you can get online nowadays but I wish wish I could get more of the Tom and Jeff man Tom and Jeff magic I want to hear <laughs> I didn't hear in my head but I wish I could hear Jeff calling Tom a stewardess and of course Tom flipping out I was a flight attendant I was a flight attendant can hear him just fucking yelling at Jeff so he's getting pissed and then you know Making Tom puke and all that good shit. 
Um, shit, man. Yeah, that was. Uh, you know, had at the time, <laughs> whenever, uh, <clears throat> like the Tom and Jeff podcast was a thing, I kept some of the episodes. I wish I would have had more of them. I've got a, only a couple of them. And uh, I wish I would have at least kept the, that first episode, man. So good. So good. But anyway, uh, life outside of that. Um, geez, man. I <laughs> I tell you what, working a fuck ton of hours in my 40s, it's getting t- tough to do that as uh, I'm struggling to stay awake at the moment. <laughs> I already had a an energy drink when I first got to work this morning, and then, uh, which was, shit, a long time, uh, 14 hours ago, more than 14 hours ago at this point as I'm recording this, and of course that wore off hours ago, and then uh, I had a Red Bull before, right, not too long before recording this show, so uh, the Red Bull is not really helping. Uh, maybe maybe it's preventing from from actually dozing off, but. It was one of the smaller ones, <laughs> but, uh, man, it's whoo, whoo, 58 hours a week, uh, two weeks in a row here. And, uh, I realize I'm not in my twenties anymore. You know, as I've been, uh, averaging like two to three hours of sleep a night this week. Uh, and, uh, there was one, mo- one morning I woke up late. I did, I didn't go- get to work late, but I, like I'm a creature of habit. I got to go through my routines and uh, my current routine is like now Fox is around. He'll wake me up at like 2 a.m. Cause I normally get up at 3 a.m. But I feed him as soon as I get up, but he likes to wake me up at like 2 a.m. 1 2 a.m. And meow, meow, start like biting me and all that shit wanting to get fed. So then I'll, I'll pick him up and put him out of the room. <laughs> they close the door and then go back to sleep until, <laughs> until three then I get up, then I finally feed him a shower, get my whole uh, lunch made with the uh, sandwich and all that, throw my banana and everything in the uh, old lunchbox, the old Star Wars lunchbox. And then, of course, I uh, make my breakfast and eat that. And uh, then I'll I'll take a short nap for like 10 minutes or so, 10, 15 minutes right before going to work because I... T- I don't like to like eat my breakfast and then immediately leave. So I I give myself plenty of time where I can just like chill out and put myself because I want to be in like a okay mood when I get to work and everything and just like not feel rushed. <clears throat> and so then like I give myself plenty of time when I eat my breakfast until I have to actually leave. So and just kind of recompose myself with that little actual nap beforehand. <laughs> And then, uh, and then I leave for work. I don't know. It's just a thing, the way I started doing, I didn't always do it like that. That's just kind of over the years, how it like evolved into, but then of course, Thursday morning, I guess it was, I fucking wake up and, uh, (laughs) it's my, I set like five alarms on my phone, like the first three. Sometimes I only put two, two to three alarms on my phone. I used to set my alarm clock too, but I quit doing that since the cat wakes me up early anyway. Um, so I just set the alarms on my phone 
And uh, I like that because the power goes out. My phone's still going to go off as long as I didn't let it die. Um, <clears throat> but I'll set like the two to three alarms initially for my first wake-up experience at 3 a.m. <laughs> and I'll set more than one off because there's a good chance I might just shut the alarm off. Or Well, I do anyway because I set three instead of hitting the snooze. I'll uh, just shut that alarm off. But my thought is if I actually do shut that alarm off, I've got two other ones that go off a couple minutes later that, like, okay. And I never get up on that first alarm, mainly because I know, like, oh, hey, there's there's two other ones going off. It's like a multi-stage thing to, to like, wake me up in the morning <laughs> after that deep sleep. And uh, I don't know. It just usually it works. Thursday, my body had other ideas. It's like, fuck you, you you are sleeping longer, jackass. You need to get some sleep. And I apparently shut off all my alarms except for the last two that I set for right when I have to leave to go to work. By that point, you know, I've usually showered, eat my breakfast, I'm good to go, everything's ready, all I gotta do is just fucking throw my clothes on and get out the fuck out the door. And I had none of that done, so... Yeah, but I had a little bit more sleep because I didn't <laughs> do all that. Over an hour, I woke up over an hour later <laughs> than I normally do. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's that's fun. I used to do that shit all the time though when I was twenties and into my like early thirties. Mainly like the time frame between my late twenties, early thirties when I was working two jobs. Although there was a few times where I was late just because I fucking overslept because eventually my body was like, no, fuck you, you're done. <laughs> you were going to sleep, asshole. Uh, but uh, as it is, though, they, uh, it's tough, man. The older you get, the harder it gets to fucking do stupid shit like that. Like You, it, you should really try to sleep is the point uh, I guess I'm trying to get to. It's it's a kind of an important thing. I've, I'm i 41, and I still haven't quite grasped how important that is, I guess. guess because I just, you know, want to keep doing things. Like, I don't want to just work all day, so I want to do things outside of work. In order to do that, <laughs> I have to be awake. <laughs> And uh, you know, sleep just seems so unproductive as far as getting anything done. It's uh, it's it's kind of boring if uh, you don't have like a dreams that you remember. I guess. I mean, I get would imagine at least sometimes I have good dreams, but most of the time I don't remember them. Most of the time they're just kind of weird. The ones that I do remember, occasionally I have a really good one, you know. But for the most part, like ah, I wish I didn't have to sleep. And no, no, I don't want to start rocking meth. <laughs> I'm not going down that road. Sorry, Feener. Not going down that road. Um, <laughs> I'd be more like likely to go down to Walter White, the White, right? Walter White <laughs> road and uh, start breaking bad. And, you know, making the shit just to make money. But that seems unlikely because I have no knowledge of chemistry whatsoever. Doesn't seem like a great career choice. I don't think 
that I'm going to make quite the money that he did because, you know, my th- there's the whole lack of chemistry thing. Then, you know, if I really want to make money, I'm probably going to have to murder a few people. I don't really want to kill anybody. I mean, not really. And I wouldn't know how to dispose of a body properly. There's a whole lot of a lot of shit that's just... I'd probably get caught. <laughs> so I'd probably be bad at covering my tracks. I don't have, you know, a chicken man that I'm aware of that could uh, make me a super lab. So there's some issues. And then, see, that's already gotten me too distracted. I'm like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> just the thought of that. <laughs> that's like the worst thing. Like, oh, the fact that you're going to possibly get murdered and everything else is just like, oh, man, shit, I got to, like, find distributors. Ugh. Ugh. (laughs) Uh, There's just the work aspect of it that's got me, like, ugh. You know? It's just just that. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, I don't know that I ever even talked about trying to remember um, the last I don't think we talked about Better Call Saul at all last week which I had already seen the final episode of Saul and uh, of course Saul is still alive at the end I should have seen it coming I didn't really see it coming how the ending was going to go but like it really kind of threw me for a loop in the second to last episode when it looked like he might actually kill Carol Burnett, which would have turned Saul into a just extremely hateable person. Which, you know, I'm glad they didn't go that route. That would have been awful to, uh, to do that as I would have been like, Ooh, you, you sick bastard, you. Um, and it's Carol Burnett of all, you know, old people. He could have, he's going to possibly kill Carol Burnett. She's a fucking legend. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, spoiler alert though, if you, if you haven't seen it, it was good. Um, I don't think it is is as good of an ending as Felina, the last episode to Breaking Bad. Um, but Saul, like, it ended like I felt like that's how Better Call Saul should end. I mean, he, he, of course, ends up going to uh, getting captured in uh, that episode. And uh, he almost murdered, too, the episode before. He almost murdered that guy that had cancer in his house. He almost killed that guy. So, I mean, he was. it looked like he was going to break, uh, you know, he was going to go Walter White shit. He was like, fuck it. I'll murder people. But he, I guess, remembered that he's uh, Jimmy McGill and not Saul Goodman or... Uh, his other <laughs> gene gene whatever uh anyway um i mean i should have seen it coming that he was going to go on trial that seems well sort of trial i guess that was pre trial i mean he was in a courtroom and told his story and he uh you know told it how it was became honest for once in pretty much his life as it were and then uh, I think the good part though is that Kim's back in at the end and it would seem even though Jimmy or Saul shall we say is in prison at the end 
and that he may only be in there for like seven or less years that Kim is in the prison cell with him saying that she's his lawyer and like talking to him. It seems like those two might still be a thing. It's pretty great. Pretty great. Kim Wexler is just a great character. And uh, I think Saul in the end going to be all right because I mean you see it like all the people in the in prison with them they're yeah Saul Saul and all that shit and just fucking love you know when they're on the the bus to the jail they start chanting like Saul and then uh seems like all the people in the prison like when he's going to talk to Kim that uh, they're just you know they love themselves some uh Saul Goodman Saul Goodman um but uh you know, I can see him like writing a book and uh talking about Walter White, his experiences with Walter White, although he'd probably get sued by, you know, some of the family members of the uh, the victims of Walter White, say like uh, his former sister-in-law probably uh, going to sue Walter White's sister-in-law, and that's all. Uh probably going to sue the show. <laughs> For, you know, capitalizing off the murder of her husband. there That could, you know, be a thing. Uh, almost like, uh, you know, OJ trying to put out a book saying, If I did it. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, that, I'll get to, you know, I'm going to get to OJ here in a second. <laughs> I, I went down that rabbit hole after last week's episode Shelly had brought up. I believe it was only when we were podcasting and not before or after. Anyway. But yeah, I thought it was I felt they ended Saul the way it needed to be ended. Um, I thought it was good. I wasn't truly expecting a breaking bad ending. It wasn't necessarily breaking bad, but you know, if you look at the last couple of seasons of Saul, they have more of a breaking bad feel than like say the early seasons of Better Call Saul. And uh I I'm curious to see if Eventually, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould are going to do another spinoff. As of right now, they say that basically they, they don't feel that they wanted to do that at the moment. You know, there's a lot of characters. It's a big world. Who knows? Who knows? Um. Anyway, OJ. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> feel like Shelley might have talked about it on the podcast, but I know he was telling me about... Um, the theory that OJ didn't commit the murders, that it was actually his son. Um, I believe his son is Jason Simpson, I think. Yeah, Jason Simpson. Um, which there are <clears throat> a lot of people, I guess, out there that believe that uh, Jason had uh, murdered Nicole and not um, <clears throat> not OJ which would explain some of the um, some some of the stuff I mean I watched a documentary on it I found one on YouTube of it I guess it was probably the same one that Shelly had watched and there's a lot of talk about it and uh, this 
private investigator that I don't I don't know his name. Um <clears throat> I yeah, hold on. If I can find this name. Um But apparently uh Jason had a lot of uh issues, much like his father. A lot of anger issues. Um was on some pretty heavy medication. I don't remember what mental issues that he has exactly. But he had attacked, I guess, a few, an ex-girlfriend or two, and uh, had issues when he wasn't, like, taking his med- medication. And uh, had a thing with knives. Was was in the military academy or something to that effect? I don't think it was... Um, or maybe spend some time in the military. I don't recall all the details, the ins and outs, as it were. Um, <clears throat> but there's there's some interesting evidence to show that maybe he did it. But I don't. Um, there's the book. Okay, the the private investigator write, wrote a book. OJ is innocent, and I can prove it. Uh, he's a Dallas private investigator by the name of William Deere. Written back in 2012 when this podcast started, um, which we should have been on it then. Holy fuck. Um, <laughs> and I guess, yeah, this must have been the documentary I watched. It was a key theory in the 2000 BBC documentary, O.J. Simpson, The Untold Story. Um, I get this uh, article from... December 28th of 2020 so this is fairly recent I mean it was almost two years ago this but TikTokers I guess says here that they had a revival um, on it this is a article off yourtango.com but it says uh, who is Jason Simpson OJ Simpson's son uh, Jason was born in 1970 OJ's first son and second child from his first marriage to Marguerite L. Whitley. Jason was just seven years old when his father started dating Nicole Brown while still married to Jason's mother. His parents divorced in 79, and O.J. went on to marry and father two more children with Nicole. Jason had a difficult childhood. His youngest sister from O.J.'s first marriage, one-year-old Aaron, tragically drowned in the family pool months after his parents' divorce, which there's some conspiracy to that, too. They say that Jason did it um i feel like i'm talking about jason Voorhees now <laughs> anyway um deer's book suggests that jason began abusing alcohol ecstasy and cocaine as early as cocaine <laughs> as early as age 14 and puts forward medical records that show three rec- recorded suicide attempts by the time the murders of nicole brown simpson and ron goldman took place jason uh, was grappling with mental health issues and a criminal record which, I mean, it doesn't, that in itself doesn't prove anything. Um, it says here, what evidence suggests Jason killed Nicole and Ron Goldman? Um, Deer's 18-year investigation features an exhaustive list of evidence that supposedly substantiates the jury's not guilty verdict, while the BBC documentary implies that there was never enough evidence to put OJ on the stand. 
Both sources put forward several suggestions of who else might be responsible for Nicole and Ron's deaths, but some of the most damning evidence points to Jason Simpson. According to the private investigator, though, according to the private investigator, says, uh, of course, Jason had a, a criminal past, um, which uh, the, the police reports indicate he was arrested at least four times prior to the murders. These arrests included DUI, driving with a suspended license, and most notably assault with a deadly weapon. That's the only one that, you know, I can go, I you know, who who doesn't know somebody or they themselves have had a fucking DUI? I mean, that's just, unfortunately, it's a problem with alcohol. You know, there's a lot of drinking. I'd probably any country you go to, definitely in America, there's a lot of drinking and driving. A lot of people getting involved, you know, DUIs and such. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, it says, uh, Jason had violently attacked one girlfriend with a knife, almost killing her, and had assaulted another in the years leading up to his stepmother's death by stabbing. At the time of the murder, he was on probation for attacking his boss with a kitchen knife. That, that does seem like at least enough of a probable thing, you know, a th- reason enough to really look at him, you know, if you were, like, investigating the murder and such. Um, that says, while it was alleged OJ was also a perpetrator of domestic violence, he wasn't known to use weapons in his attacks. Yeah, I don't recall that being a thing. I mean, he obviously beat the shit out of Nicole. And to me, reading about, like, Jason and stuff, it just sounds like, well, he's got a lot of what his father had in him. You know? There's a lot of hereditary, there's some rage fucking issues in there, and mental illness. That's what that sounds like to me. Not a clear line as of yet to, like, go, this is your murder. Um, The motive that he ends up giving is what really, like, yeah, man, I'm not fucking seeing it. Uh, Says Jason had a diagnosed, or has a diagnosed rage disorder. Again, I feel pretty confident his dad's got a little bit of that, you know? (laughs) Even if you wanted to say that, okay, OJ wasn't there. He didn't fucking kill Nicole. If you're going to say that, he beat the shit out of her, you know? And there's that interview with him with the If I Did It, where here he, he's still getting pissed off years later about Nicole and how she ruined his fucking life and everything. I mean, this is a guy that's got some fucking issues. Um, but, yeah, there's there's that whole rage thing that he's got a syndrome that people often refer to as Jekyll and Hyde syndrome. Um. <laughs> Yeah, they've got his private diary that reveals violent thoughts. Again, like this doesn't, I mean, unless he's going to exclusively call out, like, his fucking step, former stepmom, then I don't think that, you know, just because he has violent thoughts doesn't mean he fucking murdered two people. Those two people. you got to have a little bit more. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, there's some diary posts. This is just circumstantial evidence at this point. Um, <clears throat> and then there's, here's the, the ones that maybe this could, <laughs> maybe, uh, the, the number four here, they give you physical evidence links Jason to the murder scene. Um, a black knit Navy watch cap found at the scene did not match any fibers found in OJ, the hat was also 
coated in dog hairs. OG did not own a dog, but Jason did. That man, how <laughs> this knit cap they show. It's a fucking knit cap you can buy like at any fucking store. It's like, and if you're going to go possibly commit a crime, I mean, it's, it's probably not a bad idea to throw a fucking little cap on, you know, a bla- like a navy or a black knit cap, you know, whatever. Uh. And, of course, even though OJ didn't own dogs, you know, it, OJ said in the If I Did It that he had an accomplice. And his name is Charlie. <laughs> And, you know, maybe it was Charlie's hat. You know, there's, like, the hat's not a... This doesn't look like any special hat. <laughs> um, but then it says, photographs found in Jason's storage locker show that Jason wore watch caps frequently. One image dated uh, March 24th of 93 shows him sitting with his dog while wearing an identical cap to the one found at the murder site. Which, I mean, it could... That's still not... I don't think that's a slam dunk quite as much as, say, the Bruno Mali shoes that were found, the prints, at the crime scene, and to know that, uh, I almost said Jordan, <laughs> Michael Jordan didn't murder Nicole. Um, O.J. Simpson, um, once uh, during the murder trial, of course, they did not find any record of Simpson actually owning Bruno Mali shoes, which are really fucking expensive shoes. Not many people are going to walking around in Bruno Mali shoes. And uh, <clears throat> they found a picture, of course, for the civil trial with OJ wearing the Bruno Mali shoes. If you watch his deposition from the civil trial, there's like a very cartoonish reaction to the holy shit they found. Oh, oh shit, yeah. After they asked him about the shoes, he's like, those are the most ugly shoes I've ever seen. I would never own a pair of those ugly shoes. And we're like, well, here's a picture of you wearing those shoes. <laughs> Just very wily coyote seeing the the shoes, um, but uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. So this knit cap, I mean, that's you know, it's it's possible. I mean, if you find a cap that looks again, this is a cheap ass fucking knit cap. You can fucking probably buy anywhere, anywhere that sells fucking caps. Um, not a great picture either. I mean, it just looks like a dark cap. There's no way to know whether that's navy or if it's black. It's just, I mean, it's a fucking photo from the 90s. It wasn't, it's got like, you know, some really shitty Instagram filters on it, basically. (laughs) And then, of course, it says the LAPD found 15 unknown fingerprints at Nicole's Brentwood home where the murder took place, none of which match OJ's prints. The police also failed to compare them to Jason's prints. But again didn't no one ever match them to Jason's prints. There's that. Um, there was also blood and skin found under Nicole's fingernails that did not match OJ's DNA. Ron Goldman, a third degree black belt, was found with bruised hands suggesting he had fought back against his attacker. OJ stripped for LAPD a day after the murders and showed no signs of bruising. Jason's DNA was never requested by the police, nor was he interviewed by LAPD. But from what I understand, he had fucking injuries on his hand. They don't happen to mention that they seem to have selective memory on that. Oh, and I can't spell Simpson. (laughs) Injuries after murders. There we go. Um... 
Yeah, he cut his finger. They know there was definitely he had a cut on his finger, which they again they said he was uninjured. Um, <clears throat> but there's definitely, you know, I don't remember how severe, but there was, if I remember correctly, and it's been fucking, it's been a long time <laughs> since the OJ trial. As I recall, there was I guess several injuries on his hands. Um, I don't know that any were like real major pronounced, but again, this, the way this. Uh, guys selling it is that uh, like oh nothing to see here OJ's perfectly fine <laughs> there was some evidence to suggest that he had done something with his hands and he wasn't exactly a guy that was you know working hard at that point he was an NFL retiree he was hitting golf balls um, and then of course they say that, that they found a uh, knife was found in Jason's storage locker that he had uh, rented all of his belongings that were put into like a storage locker at some point that this guy ended up buying the storage locker. Um, <clears throat> and that... Uh, so there was, I guess, though, with this knife, because um, it says here, uh, Deer purchased the contents of a storage locker owned by Jason at the time of the murders, which contained a knife that matches the description of the murder weapon. Um, I would imagine there'd be a lot of knives out there, though that there could uh <coughs> unless you find DNA evidence to suggest this is the fucking actual knife. Um it says the Swiss and stiletto knives owned by OJ were ruled out as the murder weapons, but a forensic scientist hired by Deer to examine Jason's knife concluded that the butt of the knife matches the injury Nicole suffered at the top of her head. Jason had previously attended the Army and Navy Academy, and a former classmate told Deer that he had been trained to in hand-to-hand combat as well as field knife training. OJ, on the other hand, was known to hate the sight of blood. But yet, he had no problem beating the shit out of Nicole. <laughs> I'm sure she probably bled a little bit. I think once, you know, maybe he did, maybe he didn't have a, you know, a problem with seeing blood, but I imagine if you go into a fucking rage that you probably don't give a shit about the the sight of the blood. You're not going to, like, once you're, you know, ready to fucking murder somebody, you're so pissed that you're not going to, oh, shit, there's blood. Oh, no, I'm sick. I'm, I got to I gotta go puke. <laughs> oh, you know, maybe, but, I mean, this investigator really leaned in on that fact or so-called fact. And then it talks about his no alibi, so that uh, he was supposed to be at this restaurant, but... um. Anyway, that's like that's. There's a lot of evidence initially watching that documentary. It was like, you know, maybe this is. And I thought, you know, maybe he's OJ's accomplice, and maybe that's why he said Charlie came up with Charlie. Because if you look at, if I did it, um, let's pull it up. The chapter six on if I did it. There we go, chapter six. It talks about the murders. Uh, I want to see the actual... I don't... Damn you bastards. Just give me the chapter. (laughs) Charlie. Uh, Here, let's just give the actual... All right, this is uh, 
I think this is... No, no, it's just part of it. I wanted to see the whole chapter. This isn't much a... Well, here's, a, I guess, a, the the biggest part of admitting to the murders and the <laughs> hypothetical if I did it. It says, I moved past the front door of Nicole's condo to take a closer look. There were candles burning inside, and I could hear faint music playing. It was obvious that Nicole was expecting company. I wondered who the fuck it was this time. <laughs> I wondered if maybe Faye was coming over with some of her boy toys so they could all get wild and dirty while my kids were sleeping upstairs. Just as I was beginning to get seriously steamed, the back gate squeaked open. A guy came walking through like he owned the fucking place. He saw me and he froze. He was young and good-looking with a thick head of hair, and I tried to place him, but i never seen him before. I didn't even know his name, Ron Goldman. Who the fuck are you, I said. I uh, just came by to return a pair of glasses, he replied, stammering. Really? A pair of glasses? Huh? That's, I guess, how um, that whole thing started. But in the chapter, give it a synopsis. Shit. I had it pulled up on my phone before, but I... Pretty sure I closed the fucking window. Um, the tab, as it were. Uh, but basically, in if I did it, he talks about having an accomplice who he names Charlie. Never gives a last name. Um, and uh, apparently OJ has a really close friend. Fun fact. Named Charlie Ehrlich. And uh, an Italian guy, supposedly, I've heard. <laughs> Going down the rabbit hole, as I've done this this last week, is that uh, <clears throat> he's uh, been in almost some organized crime, that guy. And he was there for the uh, burglary when uh, OJ was in Vegas and went to go steal his memorabilia back that was stolen from him. Charlie was there for that. <laughs> Convenient years later after he did an interview called If I Did It for a book that for If I Did It where he talks about his accomplice Charlie when he commits a crime later on that gets him sent to jail where he's with a guy named Charlie. There's some coincidence right there. But in the book If I Did It and uh, I can't find the exact I'm trying to find the actual like a PDF on the actual book I found it the other day anyway um well yeah here we go but uh he gets really involved in uh, setting the whole stage up if you read the chapter there <laughs> and uh my internet's not uh, working here <laughs> As uh, he really sets the scene, apparently Charlie goes over there with him. And from what I understand, supposedly I was watched this YouTube video of this uh, these people's podcast. I don't know the name of the podcast. It hasn't seen many views, but this guy going on there and saying that Charlie's trying to pitch, sell a fucking screenplay about the whole thing. Charlie Ehrlich. And basically saying he's fucking OJ's accomplice. Apparently it was over a bunch of drugs. The murders, that is. And uh, that they were trying to actually blackmail OJ and stuff. And there's a lot more involved than, say, what the prosecution initially said in the trial. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, but uh, in uh, of course, in and if I did, he does get into the, how Charlie helped him with the murders. Doesn't I don't think in the chapter he really talks much about who stabbed who. <laughs> um, yeah, the chapter six, is, if I did, it, is where he talks about the murders, and the the name of the chapter is the night in question. Um, <laughs> it's too much to read. I think the whole chapter on here yeah there's quite a bit of detail here but uh he talks about charlie um once the murders take place like they drive over like charlie drove over to uh oj's place and then they charlie and him and oj himself uh hop in the white bronco and drive over to nicole's over in brentwood and then uh, shit goes down. Um, <clears throat> apparently, they're both involved in killing the two of them. Um, apparently, from from what I understand, uh, and maybe not so much from if I did it, but the the podcast I was listening to the other day that apparently Charlie had killed Ron Goldman, and then uh, OJ killed Nicole, and. Uh, <clears throat> Anyway, they, they, because, you know, there was never any bloody clothes found other than, you know, little blood on OJ's socks. But from the story uh, that, uh, which I need to go back and read, I feel like I did read this before chapter six. I know at least read excerpts from from it, but shit. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, yeah, uh once of course because the the bloody clothes weren't found other than of course the socks which just had a couple of spots of blood on them. Um apparently the uh Charlie had uh taken OJ's bloody clothes and uh this guy that uh on this podcast his name was Chris something or other I, I don't recall his name but uh, it said he had all of OJ's bloody clothes in his hands because OJ just stripped fucking naked after the murders and then Charlie held onto the bloody clothes inside the Bronco and then the bloody clothes I guess had hit the armrest and that would and uh, some of the blood had gotten on the passenger seat and it was because Charlie was with him that's why, like, it's such a weird thing in the spots of blood in the Bronco. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, <laughs> see, the the theories with Jason, too, is they say that uh, OJ did go to Nicole's and saw, I guess, what happened and just tried to cover up for Jason. That's why he didn't have much blood on him and why there wasn't a whole lot of blood in the Bronco. But I think, man, if I'm going to go with the conspiracy, I think it's probably more likely just to hear that it's fucking Charlie. <laughs> Mainly because just OJ's like, yeah, and he goes into great detail talking about him him and fucking Charlie <laughs> killed these people. And, uh, I mean, if I were going to, like, you know, I, 
it's been years since I looked at all the evidence from the OJ trial. I, when that stuff was going on, I was like in junior high. My dad watched the trial every fucking day. And I caught a good chunk of it. But I don't remember everything that was there. I mean, it went on for over a year. <laughs> uh, But, uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, maybe the Jason thing. But, again, I think OJ was there and at least participated. I don't think – maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, he was found innocent at trial. <laughs> there's a lot of evidence that's, you know, would suggest that there's some weird shit going on that the prosecution, I'll tell you what, the prosecution didn't know exactly what happened. That's for sure. <laughs> they, uh, they probably should have investigated a lot more stuff before going into that trial. And like, they fucking dropped the ball and then some, um, they let uh, fucking murderer, possibly murderers, go free. Uh, but it's interesting stuff, you know. To 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 me, it is. I'm you know I'm into uh, hearing about true crime and stuff. And it's you know you, know, you go into that re- YouTube rabbit hole, and next thing you know, you're you're going to down some dark paths. <laughs> you want to look up kitty cat videos, sweet sweet kitty cat videos. For your cat, Agent Mulder, and next thing you know, it's all about murder. <laughs> it's just how things work. Cats kill things, you know. They're all about killing mice and everything. So maybe there's some kind of YouTube might have a reason for giving you these <laughs> the algorithm that that's giving you these suggestions. I don't know. Uh, but uh, man, I had other stuff I wanted to talk about, but I'm already, whoo. Got too too lost in the juice. Where I could just use some juice. Maybe I need to just start juicing up. Maybe that'd give me an energy. Start roiding out. Ugh. It's like I'm just low energy Josh these days. Uh but uh yeah, that's there's a lot of interesting stuff out there about the OJ stuff. And then there's I mean, if you follow the evidence again, I fuck, I don't remember half the evidence that was told in that case. But it would appear that there was like it the, it didn't go down quite as the prosecution laid it out. You know, and then, you know, I think it's totally possible that OJ didn't act alone. Very very possible there. Which, if that is the case, if that is this Charlie, you know, if they do push that, in, or if, even if it was Jason, if somebody does want to get involved with that, I mean, that other individual could go to jail over it. Obviously, OJ can't because he was found innocent. And you can't, that's double jeopardy. You can't try somebody twice or something. He could come out and say, I did it. He didn't even have to put the if in there. <laughs> and that's that. I'm pretty sure there's yeah, there's no way to do that. You can it, just admit the guilt. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I've always just been interested, and maybe maybe it's because it was so ingrained. I got that interest in the OJ trial and everything in the murders because I was you know junior high and it was all over the fucking television. My dad, of course, watched it every fucking day, so it was like uh, it's just ingrained in me that. Uh, <laughs> And that they never, I mean, he was never found guilty of it other than in a civil trial. 
or well, he wasn't found guilty per se, but he was found liable for the deaths, which <clears throat> sort of being found guilty for it. Um, and uh, I mean, he's <laughs> it's fucking crazy that he's on Twitter now, giving out just videos. Hey, hey, Twitter world, <laughs> giving his advice out on you know just life in general. Politics, football, you name it. You get it from the juice. A guy that's seen everything. Uh, which does remind me of the Netflix did put out another documentary on John McAfee this last Wednesday. Which it's called, uh, I think, Running with the Devil. Um, but the it's all right. There was a... John McAfee, I know we talked about it on the podcast years ago. <sighs> but there was one on they had on Netflix. I don't know if they still have the old one. Um But there was yeah, Running with the Devil, The Wild World, John McAfee. That's the new one. And this one <laughs> holy shit. Uh <sighs> this one's like him just on the run after the the murders. Um, ooh, the first one was Gringo, The Dangerous Life of John McAfee. That's a Showtime one. That one, holy shit, that one's fucking good. <laughs> that one's so good. Um, I re- recommend seeing that one if you haven't. Um, John McAfee, of course, was the uh, guy that started McAfee antivirus software that uh, is like on everybody's computer that has fucking Windows, basically. Um, but, uh, he, uh, went, he really lost his shit and went crazy when he went to, uh, was it Belize? Um, I think it was Belize, but at one point he lived in this fucking compound, basically. The guy was a fucking billionaire and, uh, or, or millionaire, billionaire. I think at one point he was a billionaire. (laughs) Um, guy lived a fucking crazy life though. He, uh, when he went to Belize though, he had like a fucking mercenaries working for him, if I remember correctly. And just like a fuck ton of girlfriends that were sort of prostitutes. I guess some of them were prostitutes. I don't know. There's just, he was doing all kinds of drugs and just doing whatever the fuck he wanted to do in Belize. Apparently Belize is, if you got a lot of money. You can do anything in Belize. <laughs> and uh, they don't tend to ask a lot of questions. He was uh, giving, he would go out and give like all his money and guns and stuff to all the cops, local cops, and just get everybody on his side. Everything. He had fucking money for, you know, he could just give everybody a ton of money. He had just an insane amount of wealth. And what got him in tr- real trouble when he was in Belize, of course, his neighbor ends up getting murdered. Well, before that, it should be noted, um, John McAfee had uh, like nine dogs or something like that when he lived in Belize. And his neighbor hated his dogs. His neighbor had this fucking bird that would, uh, pet bird. He would walk around with the pet bird on his shoulder. And he'd go to the beach all the time because they lived in Belize. And uh, McVie's dogs would be out there and would fucking scare his bird off and shit. So he wouldn't, he didn't 
going to go out with the, the fucking dogs out there because it was fucking Bert. And he hated McAfee because of this situation and uh, tried to, uh, I guess, talk to him a few times about the bir- the dogs. Be like, look, man, you're fucking scaring my birds. <laughs> but, uh, and then I guess the day after, from what I understand, like he went confronted McAfee about the dogs. Some, or one of the times, like the night before, uh, his fucking dogs end up getting poisoned. Not fucking cool. I gotta admit, that's not fucking cool, man. They get poisoned, their fucking dogs are dead. And uh, I don't remember if it was all of them or what, but there was at least a couple of the dogs that were poisoned to death. And uh, <clears throat> needless to say, you know, McAfee, not happy about that. Not happy about that. And, uh, now I don't know that there was ever any concrete proof of this, but, uh, after that, there is definitely proof of the fact that his neighbor was shot in the head, <laughs> like, right, very soon after the dogs were murdered. Um, and of course, John McAfee loved his fucking dogs. It should be noted. And, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, so there was, you know, it's quite possible, you know, maybe John went over there and shot him or paid one of his uh, fellows that worked for him to, or just had him just go over there and fucking kill him. Um, but uh, it's pretty, after that, like, he went on the run. And the gringo, gringo, the dangerous life of John McAfee gets, like, leads up to the life that he was living on Belize, like basically takes up to the point of like going on Belize, like when he's up into Belize and just a lot of what he was doing in Belize, which is fucking crazy shit. And, uh, <clears throat> that one's really good. I really recommend that one. But then there's this newer one, which is all right. It's, uh, <clears throat> running with the devil. And, uh, it is him after the, his neighbor was murdered and he's on the run. And these guys that were mainly follows these guys that were uh, reporters from Vice News at the time. And they were <laughs> embedded with John McAfee while he's on the run. Uh, he fucking flees to Guatemala, eventually makes his way back to the U.S. for a little while, leaves there, fucking goes to Europe. I think it was somewhere in Europe and because uh, uh, I believe he died in like a Spanish jail or something to that effect and uh, <laughs> dude is just whacked out the whole time like on bath salts and whatever the fuck else <laughs> carrying a fucking gun half the time and uh, I gotta say a lot of it like his thought of him being like constantly on the run and that Everybody's out to get him. I imagine a lot of this just fucking paranoia from the drugs. Also, just he's he's one of those guys that I think probably made up a lot of shit. <laughs> it's hard to know what the fucking truth was. Almost like you know, if you've ever watched the Tim Burton classic Big Fish, which also I guess started out as a book, but it, you know, it's talks about the. Uh, um, main characters well I guess the main character is this guy's dad that would tell his son stories about himself and they were so ridiculous 
but he would have like a, a little bit of truth in there and then he would just make a craziness just crazy uh st- you know he would go overboard with crazy and his son would you know didn't know what was true what what wasn't growing up and then like big fish is him just trying to figure it decipher what was real what wasn't um but uh, John McAfee is like the living <laughs> person of that like you know, what's real what's not I mean this guy did have a fuck ton of money he did get involved with some shady characters and he was like I mean he did have access to maybe have dirt on political figures and people with a lot of power it's just how much of this shit was bullshit how much of it was real there's there's you know I'm never gonna know the answer to that the dude was batshit crazy though and he had a lot of money and uh man it's it's fucking interesting <laughs> like uh I don't think I would have done what those uh vice reporters did man fucking go hang like they were like oh fuck yeah we're gonna go hang out with this billionaire and they already knew he was on the run, like, going out there, like, oh, this is going to be, we're going to do drugs, we're going <laughs> to sleep with women, there's going to be drugs. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Holy shit, that guy. Uh. <laughs> anyway, though, that gringo one, that one's, watch that documentary, for sure, if you haven't. I think that's all I've really got here. As uh, I should note, though, that his uh, one of his exes, I guess his ex-wife, I think they maybe got married. Um, she had suggested that he didn't really die. That uh, he contacted her a couple weeks after he supposedly killed himself, which I'm pretty sure the guy's dead, but maybe not. I think she just wanted to. <laughs> add to the mythos that is John McAfee. Um, God, the guy was fucking insane. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's really all I've got, man. If you're a fan of Jeff Burton though, man, definitely go fucking buy a shirt or, uh, you know, just stop into one of those credit unions. And, uh, yeah, as uh, always, that is a kid in a wheelchair, not a trash can.